0: What is up everyone? Welcome into episode 85 of the Modern Drummer Podcast, Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com and my co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. After Mike and I get all caught up, we will talk about essential grooves for the working drummer. What are those few grooves that you just have to have down if you want to get featured artist this time is none other than mr matt chamberlain in our gear review section mike will be checking out the 6x14 providence jaguar xjs snare drum we'll get to a bunch of your listener questions and as always we'll give you our picks of the week so let's get started all righty all right episode (laughs) 85 uh i trust you man i I don't know what it is man I, i Hopefully this episode will perk me up. I'm I'm on a slow motion day. I had I I re- had rehearsal until about eleven thirty last night, and uh, this whole playing with musicians thing is taxing. <laughs> um, right, whole other emotional it, level, right? It it really is. I mean, that's the thing. Is like we're having so much fun, but it's so emotionally draining because we're having so much fun, and then uh, we're pushing ourselves musically as far as we can go while also writing so we're not just playing hard stuff we're we're playing hard stuff that we're trying to make sound very simple so that kind of the sting thing like the audience should be able to sit there and keep flirting with whoever they're flirting with at the bar but then there should be like one table of musicians that's like freaking out right right. um that's our goal (laughs) because we both have i have you know what i do as a clinician and, and dean has his band which is a very just straight ahead rock band so we already have what we want to do now we just need that outlet mm. so uh That's so yeah i cool. had a great rehearsal last night and just getting ready for music mesa coming up in like two and a half weeks i think i'll head off to germany
1: yeah and uh did you ever get the uh, the thing squared away with why they didn't want you to do clinics No, no, still haven't
0: figured that out. I'm hoping, though, that it was just a miscommunication. Like they were saying, don't do clinics in Germany. And somehow it got conveyed to us that don't do clinics in all of Eurasia. Um, (laughs) Anytime this year. Yeah, ever. Don't ever teach ever again. Uh, so that's what I'm hoping happened was there was just some miscommunication where because it would make sense if they said, hey, if you don't mind, if you're coming to the UK, can you not do any clinics in Germany because you're going to be here? It's like, yeah, that's that's fine. I totally understand that. But to be like, uh, you cannot do Finland because it's like, wait, what? So uh, I, I'm assuming there was just miscommunication. So, but either way, I'm excited to go there. I've never been to Music Messa. Have you ever gone? Because you've been to every NAM. I'm assuming. Yeah. But-
1: no, we haven't sent anyone there. For- for for a number of years, mainly because it's it's kind of like Nam Part Two for us. Right, it'd be the same, sure. essentially the same, same products, and yep. a lot of companies that aren't even available in the states. So there's really no reason for us to cover them uh, for, right. for the magazine. So no, we haven't been in a while. We've covered it in the past, but no, never been. Wow, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see because as far as I know, it's open
0: to the public. So. It's the last day of Nam it's for like a, like four a, straight days.
1: It's like a straight fair, a, a state fair or something like. Yeah, it's gonna be like like funnel like cake, country and fair, and <laughs> clowns. <Yeah. and>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down, man. If I if
0: if I could get some corn dog brats, ooh, <laughs> oh, has that been done before, <laughs> dude? How can you not do a corn dog brat? Oh, little corn dog schnitzel. I think schnitzel is a corn dog. Pretty much, it's just uh, flattened, but. uh Yeah, I'm down. Count me in. So it should be fun. I'm really looking forward to it, and I get to spend time with Meinl Germany, which is awesome. You know, getting to hang out with Udo and Norbert and talk about new gear, play some new gear, check out some prototypes. I mean, that stuff—it's super inspiring. I mean, I got to say, for all of you guys that don't know a lot about Meinl as a company, I'm not saying this as like a Meinl artist, but they really are a different company, and they're being around uh, Norbert, who's the A&R in. Uh, in europe and being around udo who i believe is the vice president but he's kind of um head of operations there um they're just really inspiring and they they do things differently and it's great to be around them Uh, Mm -hmm. so i really enjoy my time with them anytime i can spend some time with them so should be fun
1: did you go to a show yeah i saw you know i feel like i'm becoming like a deadhead i've seen wilco i think eight Uh, times now that's so (laughs) your band dude now, what size venues does Wilco
0: play? Because they're not like a mega band, but they're also not just like some indie small band. Do they play like
1: theaters? They've played just about every room in New York. This time they did four nights at the Beacon Theater, which is... okay. Uh, wow. I don't know how many people that holds. Maybe 2,500. Um, I'm not sure. But they did four nights in a row, and they just finished up yesterday, and I went on Tuesday. But, I mean, they've played The wow. Garden. They've played... Uh, I saw them at Hammerstein. I mean, they've played... Every year they try to pick different f- different types of venues and stuff. So they yeah, they're I mean, going for more of like an intimate vibe this time. Like cool. They have no risers on the stage. Everyone's on the rugs and okay. They're not using in ears. They're using mon- regular monitors now. And wow, their they're, uh, their stage set is like a forest, like a three dimensional looking forest thing. So it's a, really it's a, a more of a kind of a kickback to like just seeing a band play in a club without a whole bunch of theatrics. Um, right. So for me, it was like quite possibly the best version of them. I saw them, the best version of them for me was when I saw them on, they they played a, the Letterman show. Okay. And that was, you know, Letterman used to have the band stick around and play like a whole set after the taping for the for the guests. So that oh. was absolutely the best version of them because I was literally like 15 feet away from the band and it right. was, they just sounded amazing. This was the closest thing that I've gotten to that outside of a real small room. Nice. It was really neat. Man. I mean, they even, there was a, a at one point, Jeff Twee, the singer, something happened where he wasn't hearing the chord changes anymore, he just stopped and just made the band just stop. <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I think we played in the key of B before, but let's try that one again. And they just started over. It, wow. it was totally That's awesome. cool. It was totally yeah, cool. Yeah, sure. In that situation. Yeah, it was like flawless. I mean, it was.
0: Isn't it fun to be a fan?
1: Yeah. I mean, they are. I mean, I'm. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating or being a super fan. I think they are the best rock band out there right now. That's cool. I mean, man. they have I Nels, Nels Klein on on lead guitar, and the dude is—he's transcendental. I mean, he is a otherworldly guitarist. I mean, he doesn't—he doesn't play like a guitarist. He plays sounds. But when he takes a solo, it's like it's taking you somewhere else. It's a little bit like—I mean—because he's known as like an avant-garde jazz player. Like he sure. made his career in that world, so now he's in this alt country band, and he's bringing that sort of stuff like he's just ripping it up so you got wow. you got him, then you've got Jeff Tweedy, who I think is one of the best songwriters of our lifetime, and Glenn's back there blowing tubes in his floor toms and <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah all Doing those the crazy thing. stuff, yeah. and then the bass player is just sounds as a rock. I mean it's like a it's the i mean I've never saw like the Grateful Dead or, or the Beatles or any of those bands, but I feel like they're that type of a band. Like they're just, just they're, awesome, they're faultless at the, at the, at the moment. So I had a great time. Uh, I am a bit of a super fan, but you know, I've also just been able to get become friendly with Glenn has been a real treat, you know, cause he's just such a nice guy and so talented and, and so restless. I mean, he's composing ballet music and solo drums and percussion music. And at the same time touring with, you know one of the most successful bands in rock right now so it's it's inspiring wow. he had a whole set up in the uh he showed me a picture he he's traveling with his his solo kit and it's in the upstairs of the venue and he's practicing like all night long for his solo shows that are coming up oh my gosh so after the gigs he's going to practice with like this crazy percussion rig so it's just inspiring so yeah I went to that wow that, man that's awesome that kind of revived me you know cuz I haven't been going to shows much the past year so seeing them again it was like all right Live music is still where it's at. There's nothing better. You really can't beat it. There's nothing like it, right? You can't beat it. It's crazy. Yeah. And just to see the way people react to them, you know, they're just, it's just cool to see people just having a genuinely good time for a band like that that's like, they're not mainstream rock. I mean, they're they're kind of challenging you at times. Right. So it was really cool. Yeah, no, I...
0: I think it'd be great if the whole world was well. Um, I guess New York has it for sure. Nashville has it. New, or- New Orleans has it. But for for where I live, and I'm sure for lots of people, it's quite a chore to see great live music. You know, my mm. uh, for a long time, my closest venue that brought any quality musicianship besides the big arena stuff was Yoshi's, which is a two hour drive to Oakland. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, mm. So it's it's quite a uh, an ordeal, right? And then we just got, and it's not really any closer. It's about an hour and forty five. We just got a blue note in Napa, mm. um, so it's almost the same distance, same direction, and everything. And just at some point, you turn right and go to Napa. Um, but we just got a blue note. I just talked to Will Kennedy. I don't know if I told you last week, but Will and I started working together again. Like, yeah, consistently. you it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: it's it's getting really cool. He uh, he sent me a version of Chameleon that he redid in nine. And uh, mm. he he just sent the track and I, I, I gave it everything I could and finally and never could make a single note on the drums. I just kept listening and listening and finally I just texted him like I really don't know where one is. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to send over like a version of him playing in a chart. And I was like, oh, I was
1: way off. Um, so <laughs> you should have went with it. You would have had this whole different arrangement.
0: Get get to get get gank.
1: Yeah, no, I, I really,
0: I mean, I was like sitting down on the kit with my in ears, and it was like the the song was on like its fourth loop through, and I was like, yeah, I really don't know how to start. I, <laughs> I can't, I can't even play like a basic groove to it because I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm like the melody's disguised for me, and and so anyways, oh, uh, that's funny. And then what the great thing was that I figured out, oh, okay, well that bar of seven threw everything off when I did finally have it, and then the solo section was in seven. Okay, now it's. When I thought I had it, I was like, man, I thought this was in nine. And so the chart charts do help. <laughs> they really do. Uh, but anyway, so the, the reason I was bringing up Will was I I guess the Yellow Jackets just played at the Blue mm-hmm. Note in Napa. Mm-hmm. And he was saying – and it's only like uh, two months old. So um, oh, that's cool. So, but yeah, I mean I, I think that it would be nice if the whole world was like downtown Nashville. You just walk around and see great music or, or New yeah. Orleans, uh, jazz fest stuff where you just see great music. But it, it is – like you said, there's nothing like seeing live music. It's, it's quite incredible. So Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of live music, let's talk about some essential grooves for live music drummers, for working drummers. Uh, so first, let's define what a working drummer is because I have this clear picture in my head of what I think of like when I was growing up. There were working drummers, and those are the guys that made a living playing drum set, mm-hmm. kind of doing a little bit of everything, but for the most part, I knew that they were playing gigs that wasn't it wasn't their band right that's kind of yeah, what yeah. defined it for me It was like they took anything wedding i'm in yep uh, bar mitzvah i'm in they they took everything so is that what you think of as a working drummer just somebody that pays the bills through drums and plays gigs
1: yeah essentially so, i think of it exactly that as someone who's not locked into an original band or a, a more experimental jazz kind of path but someone who can play whatever play a bar gig play get called on a sunday to play later that night or whatever needs to happen right mostly you know cover I can send bands. you some tracks yeah. and you can you know, for a hundred bucks, you can do one drum track for me. Exactly. Whatever, whatever comes yeah. up, and I think it's it's. So the reason I I thought of this topic was like like sifting through the noise of there's a bazillion grooves that we're taught. You know, uh-huh. like yeah, which ones do we actually use, and which ones are just fun to learn. Uh, right. And ev- obviously, everyone's career is going to be different, and everyone's you know ac- you know whatever the different gigs are. But I feel like there's still maybe a, a core like dozen that like. You really yeah. have to have under control.
0: Um, well, yeah, and and those dozen in there, you know, if, if you had like ten grooves, those ten grooves will cover you for twenty to thirty genres because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just really similar, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, once you learn a you learn oh this repetitive three side of the clave, but ba- ka- ba- t- ka- keeps happening right. all the time in hip hop, and R and B, and funk. So. It, some of them set you up i mean when you learn that first basic what i call a basic pop beat or basic rock beat you're kind of set for 80 percent of the music you're going to play
1: yeah right exactly just depends on the variations of that yeah yeah.
0: okay so let's assume that we have our basic rock beat um you know two and four on the snare with eighth notes on hi-hats yeah uh kick variations what's give me another
1: one after that well, I think within that world, you've also got to have the sixteenth note groove down, the one-handed yes. version and the two-handed and the version. The two-handed so you version. You got to have yes. both of those under control. A quarter note groove, because a lot of classic rock is with, yep. the ride, with the hi-hat just chugging quarter notes, and that's a and whole. And a lot challenge. of independence, yeah. Right, and that's yeah. not an easy feel to kind of get really sitting in the pocket. Um, in my groove
0: freedom book, the quarter note comes
1: after the eighths because it's oh, like yeah.
0: w- it's so much space. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry, this is harder. <laughs> I know that you know if I was doing a system it, it goes first but it, it's harder it's way yeah, harder yeah exactly I think actually the the sixteenths with one hand should be the first groove because there's very little independence your bass drum goes with every hand yeah um, true the eighth notes and the and the quarter notes you know and then if you have half notes it gets worse but okay so we have eighth notes sixteenth notes one hand variation and then when the tempo gets above what you can handle you switch to the two hand variation right um, and for me, I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me, it's a sonic thing where I want to do the one-handed version if I can because I get
1: to keep that hi-hat with the snare on two and four. Um, yeah, that. And for me, it's also like, what is the vibe? Is it if you're really trying to get a chunky hi-hat pattern, you kind of need to use two hands for that. Like a if you yeah. want to sound like a like a drum machine or something, sometimes you just have to play with two yep. hands. One hand just has too much variation, too much dynamic. Yeah, you know what's funny is, is my, <clears throat> my fear of the two handed one is that
0: I'm too tempted to start soloing on the hi-hat. Uh, All my five stroke <laughs> rolls start showing up and it's flippa flip flippa dippa flippa choppa doo boo. That's pretty funny. And it's like, with one hand, I'm kind of like, ta 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 ta, I'll stay here. Okay, so we have the two 16th note grooves, quarter note groove. And then what about getting outside of, well, would you, I would say probably a shuffle and a halftime
1: shuffle. Yeah, well, that would be the similar thing, a backbeat based grooves but you got to be able to play triplets with the one with the ride or the hi-hat to give you the the blues kind of feel in yep. half time and regular time okay and then leaving out the middle notes you get the shuffle right and then the jazz version of that so you're just playing spang spang a lang with back beats underneath it um i think that, definitely a six eight right yeah six eight thing you have to have that um
0: And And then off the beaten path, I'm thinking, so, okay, here's my experience. I did the gigging drummer thing or the working drummer thing probably for – quit my band when I was 26. So probably five years, Mm -hmm. meaning I moved to a new town. I didn't have enough students to cover the rent. I left my band, which was weird. I didn't know that when you quit your band – the label stops paying you the money for the next record that you're not on. I didn't know that. So I was like, wait, where's all the money? And they're like, yeah, you're not in the band anymore. We get the money, you don't. Um, So I did the working drummer thing, and my thought was this. The working drummer needs to know what the other musicians already know about drumming. Because that's what happens. They don't say, play syncopated hi-hats and two and four on the snare. They say, can you give me a Bo Diddley beat?
1: Uh, And if you don't mm. know what that is, you're in some trouble. I've got a funny Um, story that exactly the Bo, that's what I wanted to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So I played this, you know, I do this once a month. I'm the house drummer in in a jam session thing. Okay. So, you know, Chuck Berry died recently. Right. Yep. So, of course, everyone wants to play some Chuck Berry songs. And those are some beats that, if you don't know them, you just don't know them. Like if you can't really play those early rock and roll beats, you you can't really fake it. You can kind of play like a shuffle and get through, but it's it's not quite right. So anyway, this guy came in like super cocky, and he just picked up his guitar and he goes, "Drummer, give me give me that New Orleans Bo Diddley beat." And he started singing something that was absolutely not that whatsoever. It was like some sort of mambo sounding thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he was just so confident he's like let's go let's go and then so i knew had i not have been experienced when he said Bo diddley in new orleans i those were the cues like whatever he sang yeah. to me was like all right you're not a drummer i'm not going to listen to that at all so he right. said Bo yeah, diddley yeah. in new orleans i'm like all right he wants to hit the okay. hay the hay-pocky away beat he wants me to play exactly. snare drum sort of shuffle pattern and hitting the three side of the clave pattern yep it was absolutely not what he sang. So had I not have been able to kind of read through the lines, I would have gone into something. I would. I was. I would have been frozen. You would
0: have train wrecked the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. and he
1: was so yeah. cocky and just like, "Let's go!" I'm like, "Jeez, are you Ray Charles? What the heck's going on here?" And <laughs> he's like, three, four, <laughs> like that." You know, it was. It was hilarious because the bass player just started laughing, and I was cracking up. I was like, "Dang, this guy came in like guns blazing, like he wanted Swinging. to win." So anyway, oh, I funny, think that yeah, is a beat. The Bow Diddley beat, the Hey Pocky Away beat is something that I think is important to have in your bag because yeah. that's harder for people to describe. Like, give me... How would you describe that? If you don't say Hey Pocky Away, then... I would literally say give me
0: the Bow Diddley beat, you know? Right. Um, and that, that that is the description. And that's what I'm saying is people, when I've done the working drummer thing, pretty much what happens is someone calls a tune and they say, uh, okay, we're on a wedding and they say... Um, I don't know. Little Red Corvette by Prince. Cool. I know it. Let's go. Yeah. I count us in, we're good. Then they say, uh, Bells and Whistles by Pinkel Schmuck and Meyer. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that one, dude. And that's <laughs> and then they say, Oh, okay, it's A. And that's when they don't say drum terminology. They say whatever works for them. Yeah. They say, uh, it's like a uh, like a P Funk groove. Yeah. And I go, You got it. Blah blat. Mm, blah mm, blah, blah blah. To, right. And they go, yeah, perfect. And it's like, whoo, glad I listened to P Funk. <laughs> you know, but if, if they said it's a P Funk groove and all I heard was the word funk, yeah. and I came in with what is hit by Tower of Power, oh, yeah. we're in some trouble. Exactly. So so yeah, I think as far as essential grooves, you're looking at quarter note pop rock groove, eighth note pop rock groove, we're obviously admitting that there's snare drum variations with ghost notes and bass drum variations both 16th note grooves one handed and two handed yep. and that two handed one we're good now we have disco because we can we can start opening yeah. the hiats on the ands we've got disco which will also lead us into if we play it more robotic it'll give us our house feel yep. so we've got those covered with four on the floor I think four on the floor that's something one. you just
1: have to know yep. four right Four on the floor definitely especially for they dance always music say that. I mean yeah. if I'm playing a, a bar when I know people are going to be dancing I don't care what the groove of the original song is I'm usually going to default to a four on the floor because that's just just right you know that people can dance to it exactly yeah so that's a that's definitely important one
0: speaking of four on the floor have you ever heard a jazz cat say the term
1: walk the dog walk the dog only in reference to the the ride symbol pattern that's a good way to internalize the pattern walk the dog walk the dog walk the dog no way
0: (laughs) that's so funny i've always heard it (laughs) <laughs> i've heard it as like uh like a baseline like uh, i'll just be walking the dog through the whole thing and it was uh, like like quarter notes yeah, just walking. like just straight yeah, yeah. just walking the dog man and so it's like yeah just when i get to the solo section just walk the dog on the kick and just stay out of my way like all right cool <laughs> you got it <laughs> but that's great walk the dog dang dang, da dang, yeah walk get you the phrasing automatically you can't
1: really say it incorrectly to make you not right. sound like a swing pattern <laughs> Walk that dog. I walk that it. dog. Walk that dog. Walk that dog. But if you're up-tempo, that works. Walk the dog. Walk the dog. Walk the dog. Walk the dog.
0: Walk the dog. Ding, 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 Scott, Good, 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 good. Awesome. Okay, any other... Wh- now, in your gigging life, a bossa nova to me is something where that's really wedding-based and old school. Yeah. But I'm wondering if it crosses over at all. It does. Samba. It
1: does because there's some soul music that has that feel so you got to have okay. a like a, a boogaloo slash bossa nova kind of a groove sure. um that's about as far as the latin stuff goes in in my world occasionally we'll go to like we'll play a santana song and it goes into a double time sort of jazz samba or you can kind of sure. slip into a songo kind of a feel or bio feel right what i almost never have to play anymore but i don't play a lot of jazz gigs anymore. But a traditional samba, like a street beat samba, just doesn't. Right. If someone says a samba on my gigs and I go into that, they're gonna look like at I me mean, like I'm crazy. Like they want right. more of the, the jazz samba feel. Right. So that's that's definitely a groove that I practiced a ton and I just haven't used very often anymore is the traditional samba. Oh. Uh but yeah the Bossa Nova or or a Bossa Nova type funk beat sure. or r and B beat happens a lot. Other Latin styles, not too often anymore. Calypso, every once in a while, someone wants to play like St. Thomas or something. Right. I mean, that to me is almost like the standards. uh,
0: The standards dictate the grooves you have to learn because at some point somebody says Watermelon Man and you're like, Mm -hmm. what? And then and then you listen to it, you're like, you know what? I've never learned that groove. Let me just learn it. Yeah, Um, and that's sort of like a bossa funk. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So yeah. So I think that happens, but I, I definitely think being very calm if you could really play quarter notes eighth notes and 16th notes because that's really when i hear um got to doom doom cat i really do go through in my mind chick cat chick kick cat chick 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 and i go through those three subdivisions and go okay i'm gonna stick with eighth notes for this right. so yeah. i've got everything kind of covered with those and then six eight as long as i have that um and somebody says all right we're playing lights by journey and I'm like eh, I've heard it in the grocery store I know it's in six here we go I don't know why I said I've heard it in the grocery store it's like an amazing song I just totally devalued all their hard work I would love for somebody to say that oh uh, yeah I saw that kid on YouTube he's a loser thanks Mike's lessonscom checks out got deals going on
1: all week uh, I will not I will not comment on journey that's
0: yeah, but you know, I mean, but I, I have that's like one of those. Hey, our singer thinks he can sing. Mm-hmm. We're doing a cover. We're gonna do "Lights" by Journey. Oh, and yeah. I mean, like, Journey oh. is
1: Journey and uh and um Bon Jovi are like the two most requested stuff around here. It's like really every Still? every session. It's like let's play a Journey song. Let's play something. Right. Like, I'm not. Right. I'm not a fan of arena rock in general. So those usually I'm gritting my teeth to get through it. But there's some really. <gasps> Pretty badass drum parts in those songs. See, that's my
0: problem with when somebody's like, well, we'll just do a journey tune. I'm like, you know Steve Smith was in that band, right? right. Like, I'd rather not do like I don't want to do, I don't want to sit in on a journey tune. If you're gonna tell me in six weeks we're playing lights, cool. Let me go research it. Cause I know if I see him play it, I'll be like, I didn't even hear him doing that. Like I'll see this little Tom thing where I'm like, what the hell? Was that always there? So oh you know uh, you. you
1: know there's one song that everyone wants to play and I have yet to learn the the opening fill to it is La Grange by ZZ Top Oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that drum yeah. fill when he first comes in is weird, and I, yeah, I just fake it every single time. I, I, I know yeah. every gig. I'm like, someone's going to want to play that song, and I still haven't learned that stupid fill. Is is that the dun dun don't yeah dun, yeah dun, 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 dun. yeah? And it comes in yeah. with yeah, like yeah, yeah. a hi hat note on the offbeat, but it's triplets. I'm like, how is he sticking this stupid thing? Like, I have no idea what he's doing. So I <laughs> that's so funny, man. I just ignore it. I'm like, all right, one, two, triplet, triplet, go. I don't even try to play it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best.
0: I mean, honestly, though, that's another. Working drummer thing. If you don't know the part, play something else with absolute confidence because very few people other than you are worried about the perfect drum fill. The one that yeah. was on the album. Yeah, it's better Yeah,
1: play something that's close rather than you know right. fumbling on what you think is exactly. the original. Yeah.
0: And then, like when you kind of almost get it, you look up to see, like, did anybody else catch that? Like, and you're looking around, bass player. Are you good? And it's like exactly what you said. One, two, bucket to bucket to bang. Yeah. It's like cool. Easy I enough. can follow that as a bass player. That's yeah. fine. You know, so clearly you don't know where that fill works, and that's fine. And, that's, and we're going to get through it just fine. But I mean, I mean, honestly, like I don't sit there while playing the shuffle through this tune and going like. No, that wasn't the bass lick that goes into the chorus. Mm -hmm. I don't judge them like that. So why do we always put that on ourselves, that they're judging every note we play? They're judging the groove and the time, and that's it. Yep, exactly. The confidence more than anything. Yeah, I mean, unless you're writing original music with somebody that wrote the drum part, the singer-songwriter guy is not thinking like, like oh, you're supposed to open the hi hat on the end of two. There, it's like they're exactly they're looking for the confidence. So, all right, guys. Well, hopefully that helped you, and now you know mm-hmm. you have 426 thousand grooves to learn. We're, <laughs> no, but honestly, there really are just a few basic ones, and if you can play them with confidence and play some fills, you know, learn your fills. Like, what are you going to do? What, which ones of your fills will work in this groove? Tempos dictate that for me. When I get to a certain tempo, I literally go, okay, 30 seconds are out, 16th note triplets are out. Uh, this is going to be eighths and 16ths. I can't. Yeah, That's, that's all it's going to work at this up, point.
1: up tempo speed. That's something that I always listen to. What's the guitarist doing? If he's playing all the eighth notes, then you don't want to play triplets unless you really want to right. play something that's going to rub against it. Right. <laughs> you know, like if you want to just make everyone feel like, what the heck's going on? or yeah you know something because i interviewed uh, Annika recently and and i asked her about how she thinks about her fills and stuff cuz she plays a lot of pretty dense linear type things and sure so i was asking her like what do you how do you keep in track of that stuff cuz it's she's very purposely not accenting the obvious spots of the phrases and stuff and i'd never thought of this but she says she just knows what subdivisions work and what tempos so then she's just thinking about the subdivision and then letting the the rehearsed sticking patterns and stuff that she's spent hours and hours shedding just kind of happened naturally. And I've never thought I probably play that way, but I never thought of it like that. Like sure, we're playing at 90 BPM. I know I can play five, six sevens, but I can't play nines. So I'm not right. going to try to squeeze in any of my nines at that tempo. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there's nothing worse than just fully
0: putting your, you know, pedal to the floor and realizing you don't have enough in the tank, and then you have to back
1: off. Yeah, or you just have so, no idea where you are. You're like, I just right. Well, s- that something as fast as I possibly could. Well, what the heck subdivision was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean that's that's how
0: the fills work. And then there might be a genre thing where I just kind of go, okay. The other thing I I, I try to keep in mind when I'm learning grooves for the gig is. All right, blues shuffle. Do they crash after a fill? I want to know that. And so I listen yeah. to a bunch of blues. Um, what are the typical fills? You know, I mean, it, it takes a lot of pressure off of you when you know that really, if you do some eighth note triplet builds between snare and floor in unison, dun, 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 mm-hmm. that that's like the big lick. It's like, wait, that's all I have to do? And then keep great time? Wow, oh, I'm fine. Like, yeah. It's not going to be doom do cat to do do cat to sec get 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 doom doom that's not no going to happen. No, no. no. Hey, and s- even when you're done with it you feel that guilt of like yeah I didn't even want to hear that. I don't know what just happened. So so learning the rules of the of the genres can take a lot of pressure off of you. Yeah. You know when you play yeah disco and you realize uh we're five minutes deep and there hasn't been a single fill it's like cool don't do any fills yeah there you go Yeah, fill less not about that
1: now what about some grooves that you love to practice but you just know are very rare to ever pop up Ooh,
0: i would say uh my my own version of the mozambique i I, Mm. that is one of my i will sit down on the kit and play that and variations of that for an hour knowing that it's still never happened once Mm. ever um (laughs) Because even if somebody said, all right, one time we're playing late in the evening, it's like, well, I'm still not going to play mine. Now I'm going to go learn Steve's. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it's so, Or at least something closer to his, which is nothing similar to mine whatsoever. Um, so that's definitely the one. I was just teaching it yesterday on mikeslessons.com uh, during the live lessons. And I, I literally said, the one in the book is what I'd play on a gig. But this one that I'm playing, this is after playing this groove for years and years and years and just... I'm just playing it by myself for me, so what about you? um
1: well odd time stuff very rarely comes up, but all you know there's mm-hmm. there's some some hit songs like some Pink Floyd songs and stuff that are in seven that are that challenge is quarter note driven seven, which is a kind of a different feel uh but anything any like eighth note based odd time stuff doesn't really pop up not in in my world and then um like the more kind of contemporary Latin stuff, the timba right. kind of stuff that I I really tried to be fluent in, and when I was shedding a lot, I'm like, nah, if, if it's a Latin song, they they don't want me to displace the downbeat in every measure. They right. they need something to kind of keep it yep. more grounded. Uh, yeah, I would say that like that that uh, the Afro-Cuban six-eight,
0: which I could play all day and love it, and have made solos out of it it's never the six that's ever been called for.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah.
0: And I've tried to squeeze it in where it's like, well, this is a triplet based thing. I'll just go into this. And then it was like, uh, I just got the smile from the guitar player, which was like the, you cute little child smile. Uh Um, like, and can you please get out of this silly feel so we can get back to, you know, I know you're enjoying getting your practice licks out right now. I was like, yeah,
1: I'm done. There there was a, a couple, I guess about a month ago, I did that gig with a guitarist. His name is Larry Mitchell. He's, amazing guitarist and you know in between sets we were talking and and he was you know he was like I want to write an article about the 10 things that drummers want to do but should never do (laughs) (laughs) nice I like it and it was in good humor and he kind of rattled through one but the one that I thought was really interesting was you know if you're sitting in with a band of more experienced players you know guys who just like to just play the songs don't go into that displaced 30 second note feel like just right. don't do it because everyone in the band's going to just look at you like you're playing something goofy. It's like just yeah. don't do it. If it's not like if you're playing a funk beat, play a funk beat. Don't go into that sloppy, slinky, drunken drummer thing. <laughs> I was like, dang, all right. Like that's that's kind of what everybody's doing right now. But but his point yeah. was if you're playing with guys who are seasoned and they're they're yeah. old pros, they don't care about the hippest thing. They just want you to play the pocket. And it right. was it was. I, I was like, all right, I can't argue with that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to show you how cool I am. You know what? I got to say though, the part, the, the positives
0: and the negatives of social media, um, are always at war with each other because the positive is I have a place to throw out those grooves and those licks that are completely mindless. I mean, they're, they're useless for music's sake, uh, for, for 99% of music's sake, but they have a place where <clears throat> drum nerds like myself and like you, we like that stuff. Yeah. I like to hear it sometimes, you know? Um, I mean, everyone thinks of Ash as like, oh, he's the pocket king and he's the studio guy. He doesn't play like that unless it's for Instagram.
1: Yeah.
0: Those licks would get him fired with Adele <laughs> right. or with, with Seal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's Instagram. He's showing off for you. Um, and so, so yeah. I mean, I, I think when you have those grooves that we've worked so hard on that are so dense, but we're just doing them because we're pushing ourselves. It's like, well, you have an outlet. It's it's Instagram. It's not the local cover gig tonight. You
1: know so. Mm-hmm. Well, that went deeper than we thought. Yeah, I don't think we really covered more than four essential grooves, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) That's
0: what we do But no, we got in, man. That was pretty (laughs) awesome. Yeah. We give you everything and nothing at the same time. All right, let's talk about somebody that's played all the essential grooves and has been uh, definitely mine and Mike's, uh, at least one of our top five favorite drummers since we started talking. Actually, this person is a big part of the reason that Mike and I became so close as friends is this was a common thing and we were constantly sending each other our favorite tracks from this artist and his name. Is Mr. Matt Chamberlain. So, yeah, I don't think um, we officially ever
1: featured him. I don't think we have. I
0: think since we've featured him in every episode, we've never <laughs> officially featured him because we feel like, well, we just did Matt last week and the week before and the week before, but we've never given him a full feature. So, is <laughs> uh did you guys do a story with him in the latest issue? Yeah,
1: the April issue. He I, I interviewed him, um, it's a two page spread. Essentially, it was more like a catching up. Like, what what the heck you've been up to since the last cover story? Because it it's always changing with this guy, right? Um, <clears throat> which is what I think is the reason why he is my 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 icon of like. If I could be one, if I could change tra- change places with one drummer, I think it'd be Matt because he's never doing the same thing. Like every six months, it's like, oh, there's another solo record, or now he's on tour with Soundgarden, or now he's with Bill Frizzell, or Brad Meldal, right? Like, now, sure. now he's packing his stuff in a van with Brian Haas, and they're playing like small rooms and just improvising for an hour straight. And like, this guy is crazy. He's always like taking his social media pages down and then putting them back up, and then taking them down and putting them back up. <laughs> right. So anyway, he's. I interviewed him to kind of get a to dig into this record that we we talked about a while ago the uh, the Prometheus Rhythm, the duo yep. with Brian Haas. So that was the yeah the reason for talking to him but then i as i dug in i'm like man this guy in the past year he's played i think at one point he was on like five of the top 10 hit records on country radio like it was it was ridiculous Damn. so he's Unreal. he's on keith urban's uh two of his his last singles blue ain't your color and break on me i think they were both number one hits and then of course he's on the um randa lambert her last record the weight of these wings which was the one that we talked about where he recorded the whole thing live in a garage in east nashville the whole band just played Um, so yeah it was it was just time to kind of catch up with him i think for me he's a he's a he's a cover artist at any time i I mean he could be on six issues a year for me but yeah
0: i i agree i mean it's it's just unreal how much stuff he's done and how influential what he's done has been and the one thing i will say uh, I don't know how he managed to do it, but I listen to his stuff from the late '80s and early '90s, and his drumming is timeless. Absolutely, like, the is, stuff yeah. he did with Tori Amos and the stuff he did with Fiona Apple, I show that to my drum buddies today, and, mm-hmm. and they don't, you know, and the, these are younger cats that or my students, and they don't know that this is dated music because the yeah. grooves are so current, you know, and yeah. um, and it's just this weird thing that he's always brought to the table, which is. I can't tell what's drums and what's percussion. Yeah, I really. There are times where I'm like, I can't tell if that's his left foot or if that's a shaker or if he's playing his hi hats with
1: a maraca or if he's looping um, something with his with right his, uh, his pad or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's super inspiring. And what I like about him also is that he's, you know, he's a trendsetter, but he's also an against the grain kind of guy. It's like for, for me, when he. Played on that that second um, or maybe it was the first Fiona Apple record. That was the first time I'd really heard the dead drum sound come back. It's like, oh, there's yeah. somebody really exploring the like super dead snare and dark trashy cymbals. But then yeah. you talk to him now, and he's like, I'm sick of it. Like, please stop. Like every indie record has to sound like that. Like, just stop doing it. So now he's back into playing bigger kits and open tuning, and he right. changed cymbals. He's playing like brighter sounding cymbals on some things, and yep. it's like he's. He's always like destroying his own past in a way, which I think is awesome. Yeah,
0: it's, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really weird to have somebody like him, though, that changes so much. But as soon as I hear it, I instantly think yeah. that must be
1: Matt Chamberlain. Yeah. I mean, you, you can never right? get rid of his left hand. His left hand will be yeah. his signature. I mean, it's just a constant texture that I think as soon as he hits the snare drum, I'm like, yep, oh, that's Matt. It's just a thing.
0: Now, have you met him in the past? Are, are you guys friends? I've never met him.
1: Yeah, well, um first time I interviewed him was was at a Tori Amos gig, so we hung out at Radio City for a while. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've interviewed him 3 times at this point, so I mean, it's it's I wouldn't say we're BFFs, but you know. <laughs> right.
0: But you know, yeah, is he a cool guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's um he's he's definitely an, is he slight, an artist, slightly eccentric, but also okay. very real and very honest and very um very very I hate to use the word nice, but just he's just a good dude. Okay. So I mean, there's a there's an element of he's, he, you know, he's kind of one of those guys where he'll look at you sideways if you ask a stupid question, but then he'll sure. still answer it. You know, <laughs> like, right, right. Like the whole time you know, all- I was interviewing him, he was shopping for food at Whole Foods. He was just walking around at a Whole Foods, like That's grabbing awesome. stuff, and yeah, he was talking to somebody else. I'm like, Matt, are you talking to me? He's like, Oh, sorry, I'm I'm trying to find some some coffee for the studio or whatever. <laughs> I don't think I really
0: realized, and I know he wouldn't care about this at all, but I don't think <coughs> I realized what the difference between my royalties from my band that was signed and had a song on the radio for 11 minutes. I don't think I really understood the difference between royalties and royalties until he put up his house for sale. Uh, and it wasn't yeah. like public or anything, but it was just like somebody said, hey, Matt Chamberlain's selling his house. And it was in Seattle. And it was like,
1: Oh, those
0: kind of royalties, <laughs> and like I said, I mean, it wasn't. He didn't make it public at all. He was just selling his home and moving somewhere yeah. else. But I was like, "Holy hell!" Well, yeah, uh, and here's
1: the thing with that he he was the drummer on Saturday Night Live for one season, which really in oh yeah in from ninety one to ninety two. Yeah, so he, and he quit. It wasn't like they decided to do something else. He got the 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 gig that I think any drummer would would chop their pinky off for. And sure. after one year, he said, I don't like New York. I don't like doing this. I'm moving to Seattle. And this was before the Seattle thing became a thing. Right. So again, he was ahead of the curve. He moved to Seattle, and now he's playing with – I mean, he's in Pearl Jam for a minute, you know? Yeah. And no, then I mean, he left Pearl. that. Like, they wanted him in Pearl Jam, and he left that before they got huge. You know, he's just always <laughs> just like, nah, this is cool and all, but nah, I'm moving on. That's so awesome, man. It's – it's
0: somebody, guys. I would just recommend. I, it, I can't tell you like the essential Matt Chamberlain track because as soon as you mention one, I'll be like, no, 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 that's the one. I mean, I was obsessed. I was out on the tour or out on tour in the you know early two thousands, and all I did was listen to Critters Buggin' on loop. Critters Buggin', you know. Yeah, I
1: think it depends on what you're into. If you're into instrumental music, Critters Buggin' or some of his solo records are definitely where to go. If you're into like right. like kind of you know alt country or or pop i think the wallflowers records that he's on are yes are masterpieces in studio drumming absolutely and then if you're in into the kind of darker tori amos fiona apple stuff i mean his drumming on those is stellar but that's three very completely different approaches to music yeah somehow he can be
0: josh freeze and yeah. jim keltner yep together to make matt chamberlain yeah you know, because um, I could see him easily on a perfect circle record uh, back in the day when that came out. Like when when it was Josh, it was like that could have been Matt Chamberlain. Yeah. And then when you hear the Wallflowers, I'm like, this might be Keltner. Mm-hmm. No, it's Matt Chamberlain. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. But but at the same time, there's always this hint of like, I think texture is the best word to describe Matt Chamberlain. There's this hint of yeah. texture where I'm like god dang that can't just be one person Mm. you know um and i also love too that he makes it so public that he he's looping stuff and layering stuff so it's not like he's trying to to rip you off like no no no, i do that all by myself it's like no that was 11 tracks
1: yeah right but
0: to get the sound i wanted and that's that's how i got it but uh it's it's incredible um you know definitely check out you can just go straight to his website mattchamberlain.com and you can see his studio there the projects that he's working in currently which is a ton of stuff. that's the other great thing is you and i always have something current to talk about with you know one of our favorite drummers because he's always doing something new uh you can uh just go easy and step back a little bit when you hit on recording credits because uh yeah oh my god Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Yeah, but then uh, on his
1: homepage, he's posted very recently, like today. He posted him just improvising with bowls on bowls and skins. <laughs> it was awesome. I listened to the whole thing before we
0: started. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I'm I'm stuck now on his uh, recording credits, and it's just like it, I I you know I guess I didn't even realize that. All the soundtrack stuff he's done too. Uh, that Transformers, seems to be, Age of Extinction, yeah. Since and, he moved
1: to LA, that seems to be where he's he's done a lot of work. Is he's, he's on the Man um, of Steel? Yeah, Holy tons, crap! Tons of movies. What a what a stud man! <laughs> but Absolutely he's still getting called stuff. for all these hip indie things like Kishibashi. I mean, these are like yeah. still really kind of underground indie things that he just shows up on. It's really yeah. cool. I, oh, good gosh. <laughs> awesome well that's enough of our love yeah sorry matt i know you're i know you're listening
0: he's like and he's throwing up he's like good god move on to somebody else i couldn't care less about this crap yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh awesome all right well let's get into some candy some gear review Let's make a snare drum out of a car. We've uh, featured these guys in the past because it's just such a cool idea. Uh, I know the, the VW bus and snare took yeah. me. Was I was like, that you. is so cool. <laughs> it's still got the rust on it. Uh, so the uh, the company is called Providence, uh, and they make drums out of some really, really cool gear. Um, so you can see some of their stuff. If you guys go to provenance you'll see drums made out of an old Rolls Royce, uh, drums made out of obviously wood. They have a ton of great wood uh, from a F four phantom jet fighter. So really cool recycled use of metal and woods. So what did you review this time, bud? This was a, a
1: classic race car, a Jaguar that they, what did they get the metal from? I think it was the manifold. Maybe let's see. You mean, uh, Jaguar, Jaguar. Yeah, they got the. They <laughs> took the aluminum from the inlet manifolds and cast it into a snare drum. Beautiful, pretty. So pretty it's an sweet. aluminum snare. Yep, but it's cast aluminum. It's not rolled. Wow. <clears throat> so it's a little bit different. It's not like an acrolyte That's that's a rolled. Alu- Actually, no. A, sure. A seamless, but it's not. It's not a rolled shell. It's it's cast. Gotcha. Um, so it's a. It was a heavier drum. Um, and it was something neat that happened in the casting. It kinda got like a sparkle. You can't really tell in the in the photo, but there's like a subtle sparkle to the aluminum that Really? Just kinda gives it that extra like this is not a cheap drum. This is a, a special drum. Sure. But it wasn't something that he did. It just kinda happened in the casting, which was kinda neat. That's cool. Um let's see, what what can we talk about it? Two lugs, triple flange tubes. Yep. Donette throw off. Um okay. had, an, had Aquarian heads on it. Um it's lathe on the outside, but the inside is not lathe, which they did on purpose to kind of give it a, a drier, slightly drier sound. The reflections are kind of breaking up uh, okay. asymmetrically. Um, so, I mean, it was it was a again, it's a it's a high end drum from you know a, a unique. It's it's definitely like you want something that no one else in the world is going to have. Then this would that's be, it, yeah. Cause it, you're not going to make more so than one of these.
0: I have a cast um, drum from uh, a cast aluminum drum from Gretsch mm-hmm. and it's the exact same dimensions as a wood shell um as far as the thickness mm-hmm. it even has uh casted out reinforcement hoops mm-hmm. makes no sense but it still has it so does it, is this like the same thickness as a 6 ply maple shell
1: do you remember i don't remember it's definitely thicker it okay. than than like your typical uh rolled metal shell. right okay yeah. so it's it's a okay um
0: and then well let's give it a listen first and then uh, after we'll still we can kind of talk about it because i i heard it earlier and it has some really unique characteristics yeah that thing I mean one thing that I really like about it is there's no mistaking that it's a metal drum yeah right? it's, it's got all it's that, giving yeah. you all of that Yeah. um and I, I I hope that our listeners understand that you specifically record these with no muffling, wide open as all get out, yeah. so that you can hear everything the drum has to offer. Because you can always take sound out of a drum, you can't put sound into a drum. Exactly. That's um,
1: definitely the the biggest criticism that we get every time we post a sample on social media. It's like, man, all that ring. I'm like, yes, exactly. All that ring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all that ring is there. And in this drum, because wouldn't I mean, they
0: all sound exactly the same? That ring is the characteristic of the yeah, drum. They all sound the g- same if g- you just. Went up, it yeah, up. <laughs>
1: exactly like yes i could have made it sound like your dead drum but what's the point i mean for me this drum it was so smooth the overtones were just completely smooth it almost sounds like i yeah. had put a ton of compression on it because it's just like this constant hum of of overtone i mean it was a right. long note i think it probably rang for a couple of seconds between oh absolutely the two notes i
0: think that drum really likes to live in the extremes when you cranked it up it sounded incredible and when you tuned it way down it sounded incredible the medium tunings it was like ah, it's cool sounds like a great quality drum yeah
1: but it really came to life in the extreme so yeah and it was one of those drums that like when you hit it you kind of feel the air moving that's kind of Mm -hmm. what i always look for in a snare drum like there's a difference between a cheap drum you hit and you're like you kind of feel like you have to overwork it gaff it up
0: that's (laughs) shirt number five gaff it up gaff it up uh uh, from now on, we want somebody to shut up. We just say, just gaff it up. it. And then if they know, they know. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, th- I think it's, it's great, man. And so definitely check it out. And uh, you can find that, once again, at ProvidenceDrums.com. You can see uh, a couple similar ones there. And like I said, they do have wood shells as well. But I think... I, if you're going for sound obviously these snares sound great but these snares the whole point at least in my opinion is it's
1: snare it's great sound plus a story yeah um, it's a historical thing i mean they're kind of he's trying to preserve something from history via a snare drum which i think is really cool the
0: fact that somebody could be like, oh, man, I dig that 14 by 3 and I'm like, oh, you mean my 1990 Bentley snare? And i are like, oh, why is it called the Bentley? Because uh, it's made from a Bentley. Like, and they're like, why are you so mad at me? And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I have to tell you it's made from a Bentley. Because I can't afford a Bentley, but I got a Bentley snare drum. And that's my Rolls-Royce 14 by 65 and, and I'm over here with the VW panel van. <laughs> Not for long, my friend. (laughs) Being Cali, driving around in your electric car. Good stuff. Well, uh, so yeah, check them out. ProvidenceDrums.com.
1: Awesome, awesome stuff. All right, so let's get to some listener questions. All right, let's see. Still got a stack of them here. So this first one comes from Brad. Um, Okay. Um, His question is sorry, it's a a long one. It's okay. Okay, so he's having an issue. I'm going to just synopsis, you know, give you a synopsis. He's having an issue okay. on a, on gigs where he has to learn a bunch of songs and knowing mentally how to switch from one song to the next. Like someone, you know, you finish one song, and then yep. we're getting to the next one, like, and trying to find the right tempo to count it off. What do we Matt, do about that?
0: That for me is is an app with a set list thing. Yeah. I just you know i don't trust myself and then i always will have notes for myself of the lyrics of the chorus just so i can sing that chorus i got to sing that yeah that's a good um, tip you know cuz the thing is i can't sing a ver- i can't sing the intro i'll get that wrong every time it's not the hit the chorus is the hit i'll never screw that up yeah um like right now if you said sing me the verse of beat it i'd be like what I don't even know what that is. I didn't even know it had a verse. I thought the whole song was "beat it." Beat it. Like I just sing "beat it." Like, um, so that's what I do. I sing the chorus. Um, and so if I if it's a song where I don't really know it that well, I'll write a couple lyrics of the chorus to jog my memory. And then yeah, in in the app, there's so many metronome apps that have set list options. I give myself. I don't play to the click. I just give myself the click. Start bobbing my head. Start singing the chorus. And I count the band in. I would rather take. Ten seconds to get things really dialed in my mind and count the band in correctly, then rush into the next song just so there's no dead space. Yeah, and, be and then boy. we screw up the next four minutes of music. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like with like, even playing the groove on my lap I and mean, be like, yeah, that feels right. One, two, three. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, that's. I mean, he, in in part of his question, he said he doesn't have time to chart everything out. So I think exactly what you said at least get the song titles into an app with the bpm what i do on the set list that i have is i I write the bpm to the left of the song title and then to the right of the song title if there's anything signature about that beat that i have to remember i i write it there usually it's like the kick and snare pattern and that that usually is it if i have the bpm and the kick and snare pattern i can at least start it and then once the band starts playing i'm like oh yeah that song (laughs) that song exactly (laughs) and that's actually that's the other note that i write
0: it either says I start or they start. If they start, no pressure. <laughs> I don't know. start. Um, but if I start, that sucks. Like, go ahead and count us in. I'm like, oh, no. Y- you know what? Why I don't mean, you just take this one? You know, but that's why I have, like you said, kick and snare. I'll have, oh, cat, oh, oh, get, uh, yeah, and the BPM. And once I start, and then they come in with the guitar lick, I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm, uh, okay. That I gotcha.
1: One, yeah. I gotcha. That right, one. Next cool. one's from Vincent. He says, "I'm used to playing rock with a 5A stick and jazz with a 7A, and then mm. to practice on my pad, I bought a pair of 2B sticks. Um, but and so he's saying he's trying to get into just using one pair of sticks. So uh, yeah, he I guess he uses the 7A most often, and he's having trouble getting that to accent and rebound when he's playing with the 7A versus the 2B." Um, so he's basically do you have any advice or experience on what drumsticks weight drumstick weights to use for practicing
0: Mm, I I personally practice with my sticks Um, Roy Burns just kind of smacked me in the head with that one he's like (laughs) He's like, you gigging a lot with marching sticks? Because I was telling him like I've been practicing with marching sticks. He's like, doing a lot of gigs with marching sticks. And I was like, no. He's like, why are you practicing with them? Like, I, I, I have no answer, Roy. He's like, all right, go home, think about that. Um, but I will say this: um, there are a lot of companies. I don't know about Promark, to be honest. Uh, or a regal tip but i know for a fact vader and vic firth make their sticks a lot of their sticks in maple and hickory it wouldn't be a bad idea to keep the same grip in your hand so that feel is always the same but the weight changes maple's going to be about a third lighter so maybe your mm. jazz gigs you're playing a 5a gives you a little more rebound than that 7a but you're playing a 5a maple and then in your everything else and your rock and
1: funk you're playing the 5a hickory what do you think that's that's exactly it i think I think you got to find that diameter stick that fits your hands, and then yes. find the version of that diameter that has the right weight and, and sound to, for you to yeah. give you what you need. Because I, I'm the same way. A 7A, it's just I feel like I'm playing with child sticks. You know, I can't yeah. I can't get anything get anything out of it. Out of it. So yep. I'd rather use a thicker stick with a small round tip to give me the same control than to go with a 7A because it's skinnier. I don't necessarily think that means it's going to be quieter. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. So yeah. Get get maple versions of what you like. I think that'll do it. There you go. All right. Um, third one. This one is from Nicholas. Oh yeah, this is a for you. Have you oh. ever have you ever considered doing an outline of your four stage practice method as a poster?
0: That's a great question. We actually talked about it with Vader. That was going to be the next poster, um, but. It looks like it's going to now be a book. So I'm mm-hmm. talking um, – it might actually be my first non-self-published book, too. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, so um, so the 2017 camps, they will be getting kind of a preview. The, the camp is based around the book – and then once I get to actually lab time the book with human beings and we really see, okay, like I I need that proof of like, yes, this worked. I, I had people go through this material and I watched them over the course of a week get a lot better. Once I have that proof and it's not just proof of concept, or I mean, it's not just in my mind. It's actually like this worked. Then I'll finish off the book. But the camp curriculum, I can't stop writing it. I mean, it's only a week long, and I'm now at like 65 pages. Good Lord. That seems like a bit much. (laughs) Now, the whole point, though, is that you're not supposed to do what's – you're supposed to pick, like, out of three pages, you're going to pick one exercise as your non-creative. Yeah. So you're not going through them all. Yeah, and of course, yeah. somebody will. They'll go home. They're like, it's just too much. And I'm like, I told you, don't <laughs> do it all. Do one of them. This book could take. This book is a collection of my last 35 years of my life. Yeah. Um, but I'm honestly thinking about getting rid of my linear book and my groove freedom book off of the website and just having. We talked about the, the Kim Plainfield thing. Just having one book like mm-hmm. this is it. Though the linear thing will show up in my main focus chapter, and the groove freedom thing will show up in my main focus chapter. But um, I mean, actually, God, that sounds like. So much fun to go through my linear book, 60 pages of linear exercises, and find, like, f- four pages worth of just the hits. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. these are can't-lose, <laughs> badass licks and, and grooves. Oh, oh. I got okay, <laughs> podcast's over. I'm writing books. But, yeah, so um, it won't be a poster. It will be a book.
1: Okay, one more. We got it from uh, Pablo. And this is one that, that I think is more geared towards me. So he's he's looking for a kill switch to enable and disable the transmission of data between trigger, triggers and the Roland SBD SX pad. <laughs> Gosh. Easy for you to say. Do you know of any pedal that I can use? Um, I've tested a custom one and didn't work correctly, but you know I know that people use pedals for this. So it's I don't think there's a designated kill switch pedal, but you can assign either what i actually do is i don't use a pedal i just assign one of the pads to be to an alt group like so you can send each you can assign each of the pads to what's called like a a group so then when they're assigned to a group if you hit one pad it stops any other pad that's assigned to that same group so if you have like pads three and four assigned to to one group anytime you hit number three number four is going to stop anytime you hit number four number three is going to stop you can assign an empty pad to that same group and that acts as a kill switch so if you're if okay. things just start falling off the rails, you can hit the you know pad number three, which doesn't have anything assigned to it, but it's going to mute everything else. And you can do the same thing with sense. a foot switch. You can just put a foot switch in the back and have that assigned to one of those those groups. So then if things just go haywire, you just kick that pedal and it just shuts everything off. Gotcha. Uh, that's the only solution that I know of. Um, I don't know of any like actual kill switches, but that that will work. That's what I do, and I know it will work.
0: Nice. So awesome. All righty, guys. We'll keep sending in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. We will get to them as soon as we can. And it is now time for our picks of the week. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
1: I can go first. So at, at NAM, it. Um, you know, I, I was able to take some samples of drumsticks from a company called Agner, which is a Swiss company, but they're available in the States now as well. And they just gave me like a, a selection of things to take home and try out. And there was one pair that I just grabbed for this this gig on Sunday, where the guy asked me to play the uh, the mambo Bo Diddley <laughs> New Orleans. Uh-huh, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's called the Tempo model, and it's made out of a wood called Hornbeam, which is something yeah. Never so I'm heard seeing that
0: of. on their site. What the heck's Hornbeam?
1: I don't know. I think they're the only <laughs> company that I know of that's that's using it. Um, it's apparently a very hard wood. That okay. um, It's used for tool handles and carving boards and uh, the actions and pianos and things like that. So it's it's a tough wood. Um, it's a really light wood, so it looked almost like maple with a little bit of like a yellowing to it. Light in color, not in light, light in, in color. The weight, it. it felt like a hickory stick. I didn't feel okay. like it was a super heavy stick. But, I mean, it – it it was a great that particular model felt great to me Uh, for that type of gig where I have to kind of play loud and quiet it's a uh, they their dimensions are in uh, in metric (laughs) so it's uh, so yeah 15 by 405 millimeters I don't know what that means yeah that means a lot to me (laughs) (laughs) 1500 millimeters I don't know what it is but it has more of a like a rounded tip which is great for cymbals it was kind of like a five A grip. Um, Do you
0: say fifteen hundred millimeters? That'd be
1: three sticks worth of a stick. I have no idea. It says fifteen comma <laughs> zero. What does that mean? I don't know. There's hundred and fifty. I don't know what it means. There's fifteen comma zero times. No, you
0: might be right. Okay, so sixteen, fifteen hundred, and then by four twenty, that's the width. We're so. Like, can you imagine being in Europe right now? And they're like, "Holy crap!" These guys, or Canada, apparently <laughs> they they've switched uh, to... <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, God. If we're next, we're in trouble. I don't know how to do this stuff. When I'm over there, I was just over there, and they're like, yeah, it's about a half a kilometer that way, or kilometer, and I'm like, I'm sorry, can you can you help me out? I don't know. Do I need to rent a car, or can I walk that?
1: Uh, all uh, right, uh, so. I'm Googling uh, the hornbeam.
0: Uh, so <laughs> sorry, go ahead.
1: 1,500 millimeters apparently is 59 inches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so that's not the case. So I think maybe.
1: <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's let's not, just stay on point. It's not 150 either because that's 5.9 inches. That's not right. Um, hey, no, that's remember, right. Like six inch <laughs> for the length, not for the width. <laughs> six inch long stick.
0: Wait, no, no, six. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking 16. Okay, okay, Agner, this has gone please, off the Please,
1: please let me know what these dimensions are. It felt like a five <laughs> uh, a with a more of a barrel tip. Oh my goodness! But more importantly, the horn beam. It was an interesting wood. It it felt. It didn't chip up. It didn't show any kind of. That's what I was going to ask. Is it wrecked after this set? No. It felt. It, it felt. I mean it, it was it felt like a really strong stick. So aside from wow. the hornbeam, Ogner is a, a company that I think is worth checking out. It's a, they've been okay. making sticks in Switzerland forever. They're they're like the top brand over there in in a lot of Europe, I believe. And they make like the the secret drum core, you've heard of those guys, they have their signature stick through Ogner. They do a lot of like wow. marching sticks and stuff. But the drum set sticks feel really great. So if you're looking for something else yeah. to explore uh, you know, give it. You know, give these guys a try. Ogner. and they have all the tip shapes and everything. <clears throat> they yeah, look cool. They've got practice pad cool. sticks. They've got rock size sticks. They've got you know pretty much everything mallets, all kinds of stuff. Um, so yeah, check them out. Ogner drumsticks. Awesome, very cool. Well, my pick of the week this time is a
0: video that. Who I thought I got rid of it. A uh, video that I, my guitar player buddy that I was jamming with last night, hit me too. We were. Um, because it's only two of us right now, he's having to loop some of his parts. And uh, I said, oh, you got to check out this, this guy, Bink beats. Uh, He does this J Dilla live mixtape and he's looping everything. And so we were watching that. And then he, in typical musician fashion was like, you got to check out Mike love. Mm. And I was like, I've never heard of Mike love. So we put it on the video is it just go to YouTube and it's just Mike love permanent holiday. And, This dude is looping things that will blow your mind. In the beginning, it's just like, oh, it's a typical reggae tune. And then it gets crazier and crazier. It's 10 minutes long and it is worth the watch. Um, He's looping syllables of phrases and then on downbeats. And then eventually, he loops the upbeats of the triplet. After that, and so it's still just literally random noises with his voice until he puts in the middle triplet, and then these words come together through the loop. So some really hip stuff. I thought I, I thought Dean and I kind of discovered it together. It has nine point two million views, so we (laughs) did not discover it together. Somebody else has seen this video a few times, Um, but it's incredible. So definitely check it out. Mike Love, Permanent Holiday. It's just. 100% One hundred percent pure inspiration, and uh, it's
1: it's really cool. So really cool stuff. I mean, nine million views is is definitely outweighs the eighteen hundred thumbs down. But why do you <laughs> why do you think people thumbs down videos on YouTube? What's the point? It's it's never made any sense to me. Is I it mean, so you I, don't I see still, things like that on your your feed? Or I just no, it's literally just negativity just be for jerk. no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
0: I mean, if if it wasn't keeping track of the thumbs down, I d- or the dislikes. Then it would be for your feed, you know, but it, no, it just, it's just a way to be like, man, I'm so much better than this. You should see me rip. (laughs) I've, I've gotten a high score on guitar hero three times in a row this week and I've never understood it. I mean, dude, I have, I have dislikes on my positive post campaign video where all I'm talking about is like, hey man, just make sure you get the full story. Make sure you guys are kind to each other. People are like, screw you, Johnston. You are a punk and I know it. And it's like, whoa. You're such a phony man. I'm disliking yeah. you. I saw you punch a dog in the face. It's like, what? No. <laughs> hey, I love dogs. What are you talking about? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, and I I mean even in the beginning of YouTube, I would it, well, in the beginning, we didn't know what social media was because it was the beginning. So I remember thinking, like, man, I, I just taught a Phil. Why are you so mad at me? Like, yeah. Like, why go to If
1: you don't like it, just don't watch it. Why just do you have stop
0: to, watching? What's your point? But I mean, that's the thing is style. like, you know that, like, on your browser, there is an X next to the window, and it just closes. It. <laughs> right. That's so much easier for me to navigate to than be like, hey, where's that thumb down thing? I mean, there you we know, go. Where
1: in your actual life do you have a bad experience and you walk up to someone and put your thumbs down in their face?
0: <laughs> and you'll all you know, You're like waiting
1: too long for a coffee, and you're like, thumbs down. Thumbs, thumbs down. down. This place. This Rudy Tooty Fresh and Fruity from
0: IHOP sucks. <laughs> your commercial made it look way better. Thumbs down in your face. The guy's like, "Yeah, I make four dollars an hour. I don't care what you think. I spit in your food, anyways." He's like, "So it's thumbs down to you." I mean, yeah, it's it's just silly. I, I mean, I've definitely I remember many times that YouTube discussed getting rid of it, and I I think they should either that or
1: you should have to be logged in to press the thumbs down thing. I like, mean, you, I there's, get, there's the I comment get, sections. If you want to be a total jerk and yeah. just didn't actually go to the effort to write some words of criticism, but yeah, it's just so easy to instantly be like thumbs down. Like, dude, come on, these guys are like high artists here. Yeah, and 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 it's two thousand two thousand people
0: were like, screw this. <laughs> his name's Mike Love. How did you even get it? He's a, he's a hippie with dreads down to his butt, and he's killing reggae. How did you? think like oh, I'm pissed this, <laughs> this guy sucks but yeah I mean I, I'm looking at all of his other videos they all have millions of views so clearly I'm late to the game check out Mike, Mike love, love permanent holiday on YouTube alright that's it 85 is in the books dude was that our longest podcast ever no it just felt like <laughs> <laughs> I love how fast you said. no, no there's been more torture than that Alright, for all of you driving to or from work, hopefully Mike and I can make your day just a little bit better. Uh, That's one of the big reasons we started this podcast was because we listen to podcasts. We know how helpful they can be to just distract you from the day-to-day grind. So hopefully you guys all have an amazing day. Go play some drums. Contact us through mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Until then, we'll see you next time. Later.